Hello, hello, my dear audience. Hello, my friends. I am Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Last week, I had a guest here, uh, Mitchell Rabin, and I think we had a very interesting dialogue about living in the time of confusion. But I have to apologize to those who listen to this show the following day when it's posted in the archives. Uh, they called me from PRN studio and told me that there was a technical problem and they were not able to record the show. So I apologize again, hopefully, and it's happened for the first time in three years at least since I've been with them. So um, before we move on with our program today, I wanted to do a little show and tell. Um, I found on the internet this statement that Fyodor Dostoevsky, great, great, one of the greatest Russian writers uh, of the end of 19th century, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky said, the best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure he never knows he's in prison. Just give it a thought. It probably I'm, I'm still with our, can we say, with our dialogue last week on living in times of confusion. Uh, I also came across, uh, on YouTube, came across a video, an interview. Actually, a couple of people interviewed Andrew Tate if you know the name, he's kind of a controversial guy. But I, there are things that you may disagree and things you may agree with someone. And I, I believe personally that we can take something valuable even from a person with whom you disagree on 90% of issues. But then he or she may say something very brilliant and it doesn't become less brilliant uh, just because you don't agree with other uh, issues or their views on other issues. Anyway, uh, Andrew Tate said, once you convince someone not to trust their own eyes, they're totally open to programming, to being slaves. Uh, he was talking about, actually, uh, looking at a woman and not calling her a woman because she chooses to be called a man. So he continues, then you can believe all the people who are flying in private jets who are talking about uh, climate change. The billionaires are talking about the ocean levels rising, Antarctica melting, while they are buying all beachfront properties. Just, just uh, come somehow attracted my attention. Uh, I do spend maybe uh, half an hour, maybe a little more, between half an hour and an hour surfing the internet, uh, watching different um, videos on YouTube and uh, also FaceTime. So, 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I received another email from my friend from California, Ricardo. He is really <laughs> uh, an intelligent person and, and asks very good questions. So I would like to try to answer them today. Because he brings up issues that at one point or another I wanted to address anyway. And some I never thought of. So, uh, Director Rez, thank you for responding to my question about spirits. If you remember, I was talking about spirits a couple of weeks ago. Have you heard about Dr. Jerry Marzinski? And he also sent me um, the link to Dr. Marzinski's uh, website. And, and Ricardo continues. He claims, uh, Dr. Marginsky, he came to conclusion over his career that some psychological disorders are demonic possessions. At times, oh, um, I, I agree, at times it may be a demonic possession. Yeah, I, I did go on Dr. Uh, Marzinski's website. Uh, it seems it seems um, it seems that he makes a good point. Uh, I didn't watch the whole video. If anybody wants to check it out, it's www.jerry j e r r y marzinski m a r z i n s k y dot com, and he talks about. Uh, demand possessions on uh, in, in, in a number of cases. My concern is to look at any experience that a person has that may be just a schizophrenic experience and there's a difference between possession and uh, speaking to spirits or spirits talking to the person and schizophrenia. And my concern is not to label uh, everything demonic possession, a any uh, conversation that a person may have, uh, even from the with with an entity from the other side. I would like to talk about schizophrenia just for those people who are not familiar with this mental disorder, and then we'll go from there and talk about uh, the difference between schizophrenia and demonic possession and there are also not there are possessions not only of what is called de demons uh, but of entities once we already discussed uh, that that are generated from the inside the person feeling guilty anyway let me talk a little bit about schizophrenia it involves a range of problems with thinking, cognition, behavior, and emotions. Signs and symptoms may vary, but usually involve delusions, hallucinations, or disorganized speech, and reflect uh, an impaired ability to function. I will tell you what the, the symptoms of schizophrenia are. And again, uh, there are the symptoms may uh, may make someone think of this person is possessed. Uh, 
or somebody looking at the person who is really possessed may think this person is has, uh, suffers from schizophrenia. So I would like to define both and leave you with that and whoever encounter either or both so you know the difference. So one of the symptoms or manifestations of uh, schizophrenia is a person is having delusions. They are false beliefs that are not based on reality. Um, for example, somebody thinks that they're being harmed or harassed. Certain gestures or comments are interpreted as being directed toward that person. Uh, a person has ex thinks or, or he or she has exceptional abilities or fame. In fact, uh, a long time ago, I actually knew uh, a woman whose brother was outraged one time coming home and saying, I was walking in the street and, you know, you didn't recognize me. No, nobody applauded. I, I'm just so pissed, you know. How can they not know who I am? Uh, obviously, he was exhibiting schizophrenic symptoms. And, and why a person becomes schizophrenic, it's a whole other subject. It's a huge There are different theories. I will not uh, talk about why uh, people become schizophrenics, but I will be happy to do it if anybody asks me a question through email or by calling. So uh, another delusion, maybe an example of a delusional thinking is that person is convinced that somebody is in love with them, that somebody uh, famous, or that they are famous. And, and I, I actually met a number of people over the years who thought that they were uh, either Jesus or an incarnation of Jesus, or somebody thought that he was a Buddha uh, who came back to life. So that's that's a delusional thinking. Um, next symptom or manifestation of uh, hallucinations. They usually involve seeing or hearing things that don't exist. Again. I would say we have to see the difference between the word reality and truth. Um, because when we say to a person who is hallucinating, it's not real, it is real to them. We cannot deny that they are experiencing something. It's a subjective experience. It's in fact, we become offensive when we say it's not real. It is real but it may be not true. So we make subject something to a test of truth. <clears throat> like one time many years ago, excuse me, I had just a sip of my, yes, ginger tea. Um, well, many, again, many years ago, somebody uh, actually was in my office and said, look, look, you, you have filth, you have cupware. And there are cockroaches, and there were no cockroaches in the whole company in my office. In fact, I always kept my office very clean, neat, kind of a little bit too much. Uh, 
and I said, I, I can I understand. How do you feel? And said, I'm terrified. I, I cannot stay in the office. I said, uh, my experience is different, but let's go and, and explore. And I actually walked over to the wall and said, show me where is the cockroach that you see? And he said, well, there, there on the wall. And I said, no, please go closer, get up, and let's look together. You're not going to touch it, but I am going to touch it. Direct my hand. And eventually he said, oh, no, it's, it's just, uh, maybe it was somehow something happening with my eye. It looked like a cockroach. Most of the time, if you test, well, first, if you don't aggravate them and say, this is not real, it's all in your mind, simply respectfully say, it may be, it's your experience, let, me, let us check. And, and you can even invite another person and the test of the truth either will pass or not. And the person most of the time will admit that something was not right in their judgment. Uh, hallucinations can be uh, not necessarily unusual, but of other senses. And they, will, they may uh, smell something or hear something. Again, it doesn't test the test of reality. Another very important, and I want you to pay particular attention to this characteristic, because we'll be talking about possession versus schizophrenia. Another characteristic is disorganized thinking, disorganized speech. By the way, disorganized speech may be exhibited by someone who is on drugs. So you, it doesn't mean if a person doesn't make sense and they're mumbling, they may, it may be kind of as a psychotic episode, uh, but they're really on, on certain drugs that produce this temporary psychosis. Uh, but schizophrenic, uh, having disorganized thinking, uh, will kind of not make sense Affective communication can be impaired. The answers to questions may be partially or completely unrelated. Uh, rarely speech include, uh, may include putting together meaningless words that cannot be understood. Um, sometimes it's, it's known as, as a word salad, a person putting words together, they absolutely make no sense. But they make sense to this person. Uh, so it, this, this um, characteristic also uh, uh, times is referred to as thought disorder. Uh, also, negative symptoms, that's another characteristic of schizophrenic episode or schizophrenic behavior. This refers to reduced or lack of ability to function normally. For example, the person may neglect personal hygiene or appear uh, to lack emotion, doesn't make eye contact, doesn't change facial expressions, or speaks in a monotone. Also, the person may lose interest in, in everyday activities, socially withdraws, has lack of the ability to 
experience pleasure. But it's not Dr. William Glasser, I mentioned to you uh, a while ago his name. Dr. William Glasser, um, who was a psychiatrist, believed that everything that people do, every feeling that they have, is a matter of their choice. Even schizophrenia, so he didn't call people uh, schizophrenics, he called people uh, choosing to go through a schizophrenic episode. Now, why? That, that's a whole other, again, another subject. And most of the time, it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose. It's an attempt to avoid some kind of pain. You know, even Freud spoke about denial. They are trying to uh, deny a certain situation, certain circumstance, certain feeling in themselves. And as Freud said, deny feelings uh, disappear and come out at some other time in more painful or he called uglier form. So, uh, with possession, in my understanding and experience, there is no disorganized thinking speech. A person may have hallucinations, what they call, uh, or psychiatrists would call hallucinations, because they see something or they hear voices in particular. With possession, people hear voices inside and sometimes feel, feel someone inside. Uh, but there is no disorganized thinking. Uh, thinking, in fact, is clear because a person receives clear messages. They are well organized, they're deliberate, and at times forceful, demanding. So, but at times, it's not demons. Again, what, what um, Ricardo referred to as demons, it's negative energies. And we already spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. It's call it dark energies, or energies of lower vibration. But at times, it's not the demons that are talking to a person, but some other disembodied entities, they may be entities from the other side, uh, as, as like relatives, perhaps, who are trying to connect with someone who is sensitive and able to hear them. And this person happens to be on the le vibrational level that they're able to speak to this person. And they may simply want to connect with somebody in this physical world, but that person does not respond. In fact, that also happened. Uh, you heard from me and uh, uh, about my nephew Vlad, and invited Vlad to this um, to be a guest on this show a number of times. So uh, I remember when I, I told you that Vlad kind of was psych psychic from the age before. But he started receiving a lot of uh, information from the other side. 
approximately the age of seven, I believe 17, maybe 18. At some point he was telling me, he knew by that time, he knew that he is not a sick person, he is not a schizophrenic. Uh, but it was overwhelming. I remember him telling me, like, I can, I can barely function because so many voices are talking to me. Again, fortunately, I knew about such phenomena, so I didn't insist that my sister would take him blood, <coughs> excuse me, psychiatry. But he said that so many voice, uh, uh, voices want to talk to him. So I suggested that he asks, because he talks in his mind, he asks every voice, every entity that wants to talk to him, to together, and at that particular moment that he's talking, that is to call them, everyone who wants to communicate with me, hear me now. And then he went uh, to tell them that he is overwhelmed because so many try to speak at the same time. So I asked him to tell them that he will, I don't remember, it was so long ago, Vlad is now 55 years old, but that uh, he, su he suggested that they will come in orderly manner, and they are to decide, that's on the other side, they are to decide who will come after whom, but to create order, and talk to him on a particular day, let's say Monday, and he will be available from, let's say, four to six, one after the other, they can communicate with him. Then he will be able to attend each of them because they were literally screaming. And you know what? It worked. It worked. And at some point, actually, they, um, I believe they stopped, they stopped uh, talking in this disorderly way. Once in a while, somebody would approach him and ask him to inform somebody that Vlad knew that they're on the other side, that they're, they're fine, and so on. So you can actually, if you experience something like this, you can communicate with them. You don't need to be afraid. Don't think need to think that you are, you are ill. I didn't work with too many people who would hear voices and communicate with entities from the other side, but I did work with a number of them. And the first thing I would do is, once I, I get the history and understand that they are not actually uh, having a schizophrenic episode, uh, I would suggest that they engage these entities, get information who these entities are, what they want. And very often they, they just want sometimes to be heard or sometimes they want to send a message to someone, and that's it. Anyway, that's responding to one of Ricardo's questions. The second question, now again, continue reading Ricardo's email. You slightly brought up this topic, the past show, when you mentioned a book, Arguments Against TV. Well, 
what Carter you refer to is the the book called titled Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television, written by Jerry Mender. Uh, yes, he also wrote another wonderful book called In the Absence of the Sacred, about Native Americans and and how they lived and how. Um, what happened when Western civilization entered and how different our cultures are. But that's gerrymander. Yes, he has very good arguments. And that book was written in 1976. Uh, now, there are much, much greater reasons for elimination of television, but um, I don't think it will happen. So I will continue reading Ricardo's email. I would like to know what are your thoughts on children watching horror movies and the general violent content on TV. I ask because my brother watches horror movies with his two and four year old boys. I myself don't watch TV and I don't approve of watching such content. Well, uh, Ricardo, I hope your brother can hear me. Watching horror movies, movies of violent content, desensitizes children to horror and violence. There was a study done, I believe it was Professor Zimbardo of Stanford University. He did a lot of interesting studies. A student, a group of students was exposed to extreme violence on screen. In the beginning, all the participants had very negative reactions as they saw the content. Some vomited. Some had to close their eyes because they couldn't bear what they saw. But after a while, they not only became comfortable with the images they saw on the screen, but they became sexually aroused by those images. This is one of was one of those experiments which had to be discontinued because of the concern about mental stability of the participants. These days, such experiments are not done. I think probably there would be illegal, or people would be afraid uh, to be sued. I, I never heard in the last 20 years that such experiments were done. Anyway, Ricardo, I feel sorry for your brother's children. I'm afraid they may become prone to uh, abusing animals, torturing animals or their friends, because once they're exposed to torture, to violence, it slowly becomes comfortable. All this stuff on television with violence, with abuse, romanticizes violence and accept it as a way to resolve problems. In horror movies, uh, either someone gets brutalized and uh, the brutalizer gets away with it, or someone is brutalized and the avenger brutalizes the brutalizer and that encourages people to do just that, to be brutal. 
I remember many, many years ago, and probably it was in the early 90s, maybe some of you remember, who are old, as old as I am, there was a movie called Black Rain with Michael Douglas. I liked him as an actor. So, uh, but it was just a, like a detective story. And I don't remember really the details. I just remember that uh, Michael Douglas plays this rough um, police officer and he has who doesn't go by the book and then the, he has a friend who is most totally by the book follows the law you know if he's arresting someone he's saying you have the right to remain silent at the time the whole thing he's very poor, very sweet guy and then something happens in japan and both of these friends they're close close friends and it's only the first 15 minutes of the movie and they travel to japan and the good guy the the uh, straight cop uh friend of the character of michael douglas is trying to go by the book and in front the, uh, Michael Douglas's character sees how that guy's head is chopped off. And he goes crazy. And he goes against any law. He breaks Japanese laws, American laws, and he gets all the killers, all the bad guys. And by the end of the movie, you celebrate, yes! You, you did justice. How did you do justice? And, and the movies produced by the director wanted to, to have this impact on people. So the message is, in order to achieve justice, you have to be brutal and you have to not follow the law. These are not good messages. So unfortunately, the media is not reinforcing goodness and love. Most of the time, you know, very rarely we have on television, uh, celebration of good things. Most of the time, somebody was killed, somebody was robbed. Bad things are happening. But there are, I, I think there, there is a, some channel, I, I don't remember which one, that has Hero of the Month. Yes, they celebrate someone who is doing good things. That's beautiful. Otherwise, it's mostly about bad things that happen. Now, gentlemen, <laughs> I continue still uh, reading the email of Ricardo. Here he continues. On an esoteric level, what do you think watching images, hearing sounds of demons, monsters, and humans being terrorized does to one's imagination? Since movies are the manifestation uh, um, since movies are the manifested imaginations of others, it can be similar to that golem, the, the monster created, we spoke about him um, well, two weeks ago. Through movies, demons brought to life. And so a person is giving their attention slash energy to these creations when they watch TV, so their mind becomes an open channel to the horrific creations of others. Again, Ricardo, I totally agree with you. 
she continues, in my esoteric and occult studies, what I've learned is that one should be very selective with what he gives his attention to. Only pay attention to creations of beauty, such as nature, things of joy, being a giving and helpful person. And your thoughts must also reflect that, since today it's so easy to fill one's mind up with perpetual images and sounds due to cell phones. People's minds are filled with so much noise that they feel depressed and anxious. It was a wonderful, really, um, email to read. That's, that's where the email ends. I, and I totally agree with Ricardo. A long time ago, they did an experiment in India. Uh, they played Mozart and jazz, I believe, to, to plants, and the plants thrived. Then they played, at that time, uh, uh, heavy metal music became popular, and the plants withered and died. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can actually test what is good, what is not good for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. Uh, I didn't. I don't believe I spoke here on, on this show about kinesiology. Uh, it's called applied kinesiology now, which was founded in 1964 by Michigan chiropractor George. Goodhart, the name, George Goodhart Jr. Uh, it's actually a popular diagnostic and therapeutic system used by many health practitioners, including me. There are different ways to do testing. But the simplest one uh, is a person simply extends his or her arm. With the other hand, they hold a substance close to the heart where the thymus gland is, which is a very sensitive gland. And what happens is when, when they hold this substance, which is beneficial to them, that substance actually gives them energy. And then if you try to push their arm down and you ask a person, let's say, to extend horizontally um, one arm, right? And you don't need to use much force. You use two fingers. The person is standing in front of you, and you use and you ask a person first. You check them for baseline. You ask them uh, to extend the arm, and you ask them to to resist. And with two fingers, index finger and middle finger, you try to push their arm down, and you find that they're quite strong. You know, most people are strong, so the arm will not go down. Then you'd, let's say, give them uh, a little package. They don't show them what you're giving them. Uh, like put it in a napkin, but put white sugar and let them hold with one hand in their fist close to their uh, thymus, to their chest, um, that substance, and then extend their arms. You will see that when you press with the same strength, you press on their arm, their arm will drop because this white sugar will weaken them. So I, in fact, I tested my whole family for different substances. For example, I found that uh, 
salt is good for my son, for Aaron. It makes him stronger. Uh, but if my daughter holds, uh, Hannah holds the salt, it weakens her. So what is good for one person is not good for another person. So, but the reason I started telling you about kinesiology is uh, you can actually test your children or anybody. Now we can change channels all the time. So um, you, you put on the channel with some violence, uh, even if it's violence perpetrated, perpetrated by some point, by, by, quote, good guys, means there is a war and it's, there's a weak arm, but it's violence. And test them and you will see inevitably the arm goes down. And then if you show them some good scene, nice music, um, people hold hands, people are relating to each other well, you will see the arm is strengthened and you will not be able to put it down. And so on and so on. I, I do it all the time. Because sometimes a person experiences some pain, or they call it fibromyalgia, which is kind of a weird term. Fibromyalgia simply means pain in the muscles. Fibro, um, it's muscle, and myalgia is pain. So doctors just give it a fancy name, but in reality, all it means, a person comes and says, you know, I have pain in the muscles. And they say, oh, yes, I have fibromyalgia. Pain in the muscles. You don't know where the pain comes from. Let's say a person went through tests and there is no uh, blood show, work shows that the person is just fine. So how, what, what do you, how do you know what's going on with them? And so I will ask a person to extend his whole arm and I will say, remember, you can test them for true or false. You can say to a person, if a person is na and the name, person's name is John, you say, you ask a person, say, my name is John, and you will see, <laughs> try to press his arm, and the arm will not go down, because he's saying the truth. And now, then ask you to say, my name is Stephen, and John will hold his arm, and you will see his arm will go down when you push it, because he's saying that what is not true. So, if a person, let's say, has some pain, in the neck or in the back, I will ask a person to extend his arm or her arm and say, repeat after me, this discomfort that I experience is because of my work. And then I press and the person's arm goes down, which means it's not true. Uh, it's because of my relationship with my mother the arm doesn't go, uh, doesn't, uh, drops, because it means it's not true. It's because of my relationship with my wife, the arm drops. It's because of relationship with my brother, oops, that's true, because the arm becomes strong. And then you begin, and so on, you continue asking questions, questions, and eventually you find out the truth. Then a person still has to deal with with what's going on. But it's a fast way. You don't need to spend weeks or months in psychotherapy. A person may not know where the problems comes from, but then it's quickly apparent. Then 
uh, do, of course, some exercise, mental exercises, uh, or uh, reflexology, massage, to get rid of the symptom. There are many ways to deal with the symptom. But first, you have to know where the problems come from. Otherwise, you will spend a fortune going for massage therapy, and the pain will come keep coming back. Okay, <laughs> it's two, it's two forty already. We have twenty minutes left. Well, before we go to the next segment of the show, I would like to make an announcement. I run a school called Center for Mind Body Integrative Therapy, uh, and it's I teach a course to health practitioners. A year and a half ago, I think I announced that I was teaching a course. In fact, several people came from from my audience uh, at PRN into that course, and the course was over uh, in March. I finished the course. Oh, no, I think in April. It lasted a year and a half. The course is designed for physicians, nurses, social workers, acupuncturists, massage therapists, life coaches. Uh, basically, in this year and a half, I teach everything I know, all the tools, so that people could use them in their practice. Uh, I, it's, it's done over Zoom, and it's 60 weeks, 60 classes, two hour each class, 120 hours. I give classes to a minimum, uh, uh, to a small group. Uh, the maximum of the students I take is 12 students. And there are certain subjects. We One is uh, uh, what is therapeutic phenomenology versus all other therapeutic modalities that exist. And that's what I teach, therapeutic phenomenology. Uh, then I teach how to, I teach the WIT, will integration training, how to, people can utilize it in helping people to build their will. Because without strong will, willpower, nobody can, people cannot accomplish uh, much because they may know where they want to go, they may have all the tools in the world, but if they don't have strong will, they they cannot get where they where they want. Another uh, skill that they will learn is imagination as a technique for exploration of inner life and of emotional life and physical life, and imagination as a tool for healing. Another thing is uh, they will be studying is form structure of dreaming which includes uh, a meaning of understanding of colors, numbers, and direction in space, the relationship between uh, dream life and existence in the waking life. The next thing people will learn is how to do waking dream therapeutic method. It's a whole other whole approach. In fact, it, with a course that I taught used to be called not therapeutic phenomenology, but waking dream therapy. Uh, it's a learning how to take people on journey 
inner journey during which they have a chance to encounter and resolve whatever issues they have that may be hidden in their psyche. Then they will be learning human morphology, the science and art of face reading, and use of human morphology in physical and emotional disorders. And finally, they will be learning how to build their practice uh, as an integrative therapist. And by the end, people will receive uh, a certificate in therapeutic phenomenology from the Center of Mind-Body Integrative Therapy. Anyway, that's, if any of you are interested, please uh, write to me, send me an email. I will send you more much more detailed information and the fee and so on. So, and now we have still some time. I want to see if there are any calls. If you would like to have a question, question, you have some comments, this is the time to do it, or I will just go to to the next session. No calls? Okay. So, we are back to the six pillars of well-being. Remember, we're not finished with the six pillars of well-being. We're still on the sixth pillar. And uh, we did have an academy, I believe. Uh, And now I prepared uh, the next exercise called heavenly court so if you are interested um, get ready remember now we're exploring spiritual reality so there is no right or wrong experience whatever you experience is right for you please um, first prepare yourself and we'll do the exercise and then if you have any questions because it's a, a little serious exercise. If you have any questions, you have. if you want my feedback, call me right away, don't wait. But if you cannot call, then uh, you can write to me with questions. And also as a result of this exercise, you may have some night dreams. Please don't write to me your night dreams because there is nothing I can do with them. You can only call uh, and share with them uh, on on the air, and then I will be able to work with you, because in order to work with the dreams, I have to be able to ask you questions. Anyway, uh, just sit comfortably, make yourself comfortable, and close your eyes. And breathe gently and evenly, long, slow exhalations, nice and easy inhalations, breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. Now exhale slowly and think or imagine yourself being in the field. In the middle of the field, you are standing and you see a ladder, a ladder that you can climb. The ladder is firmly placed on the earth, but it goes all the way up and is 
lost goes all the way into heaven. There is no end to it. You climb up. You go fast. You are pulled by celestial gravity, so it's very easy for you to go up. You go up through dark clouds. You've been there when you went through head of heavenly academy. So you're going up, up, and up. Now you're going through the dark cloud. And now the, you continue, and there is a beautiful blue sky. And now you go through a white cloud. Go through it, and again blue sky. And now you go through another dark cloud that spreads all over the horizon from east to west. You're going through the black cloud and come out, and you are at the plateau. It looks like, like Earth. There is a structure with the walls, which seems luminescent. You enter the structure. There you see a table. at which a wise one presides, and there are others. On the left side, there is another table, and you understand that at that table there is a prosecutor, and on the right side there is another table, and that's where the defender is. You realize that you are in a heavenly And you realize now that you're on a trial. It's not a final trial, but a rehearsal. It is about what you have done with your life till this point. Know that the prosecutor and the defender know everything about you, everything you ever did, said, or thought. The prosecutor begins to speak. Listen carefully to what the prosecutor says. Notice how it feels when you hear what is being said about you. Notice what the prosecutor looks like. Now it's time for the defender to speak, to respond to the accusations. Listen to what the defender has to say. Notice how you feel as the defender speaks on your behalf. Now it is time for the prosecutor to make one final statement about you. What does the prosecutor say?
how the defender makes the last statement. Make sure you remember every word that the defender says. Now, finally, you can speak on your own behalf. What do you have to say? Now it is time for the wise one who sits in the middle to speak the last word. What does the wise one say? Now you thank them for what you have learned. This is your time you are permitted to exit the court. You turn around, and as you turn around, leaving this, all entities behind suddenly, they and the whole building of the court disappear, and you see just the firmament and the top of the ladder that brought you to this place. So you begin to go down through the dark cloud, bright sky, white cloud, another layer of bright sky, and another dark cloud. all the way down till you find yourself standing back in this field stay with your feelings and what, with what you have learned through your experience make decisions of what you will do with all that you have learned. Then slowly breathe out one time, and when you're ready, open your eyes. Okay, thank you to those who participated in this exercise. Uh, I don't see that, uh, I, I don't think that we would have time now to discuss your experience because we only have, what, four minutes left. Um, but if you would like to share with your experience, as I said, you can call next week and ask your questions or share your experience, or, or you can simply send me an email. The email is uh, drpeterresnik 
at gmail.com d-r-p-e-t-e-r-r-e-z-n-i-k at gmail.com you can uh, just like Ricardo you know he writes these beautiful emails and I spend time answering them because I believe it's interesting for, for everyone for every listener uh, to hear the answers and, and the questions themselves are very provoking, thought-provoking. So you're welcome to write your feedback or to ask questions regarding this experience. We'll be doing uh, more exercises from this series uh, of exercises uh, of exploring the spiritual realm. And then we'll be finished with the six pillars of well-being. That's it. Uh, you can. You're welcome also to write or call and ask questions about this whole journey that we, although in, we interrupted here and there, but we went through the whole journey. It took us, I think, a couple of years of dealing with all the six pillars of well-being. If any of you, I would love to hear your feedback. If any of you followed all the pillars and and practice i would love to know i would be actually very grateful if you give me feedback about if it had any uh impact on you on your life and if it did what kind of impact anyway uh, i it's time for me to wrap up today's show i want to thank you all for your participation. I'm looking forward to having your attention next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Be happy. Peace to all who want to live in peace.